Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Blog Talk Radio. Empowered Love with author, self-mastery coach, and relationship expert, Melanie Tanya Evans. Take back your power, heal your soul, and set yourself free. Free through Empowered Love. And now your host of Empowered Love, Melanie Tanya Evans. Hi everyone, I'm Mel and welcome to another Empowered Love radio show. So this radio show is about the ego and love and this was really inspired to me in regard to a book that I recently read and this this radio show and the article that will be coming out on the blog is incredibly relevant to narcissism and anyone that's got caught up in the throes of narcissistic abuse. Now, the book that inspired this article is Marianne Williamson's book called A Return to Love. And I've heard about this book for a long time. And I got around to ordering it because it really all of a sudden spoke to me to read the book. And I just love how on our journey that at certain points we feel really called to a certain book. We can have that really powerful intuitive message or Somebody says you should read this and we get that resounding yes inside of us. So we're even in a bookstore and it's like a book just leaps off the shelf into our hands. And when we read that book, we realize that it was exactly amazingly on track with our own personal development. Now, ego has been something that has interested me greatly. And of course, in this community, it's so relevant because it's all about dissolving ego and healing all the fear and the pain that we've experienced in narcissistic abuse. And we can really understand that battle that's been going on between ego and love and how that plays out with narcissists, etc. And I've written quite a few articles on ego. And I always really did believe that Eckhart Tolle was the master of ego. He just encapsulated and written about it perfectly. But after reading this book, I really think that Marianne has nailed so many of the deeper spiritual concepts of ego. And that's why it is just a really powerful book to read. So if you haven't already read it, Marianne Williamson, A Return to Love, I really strongly recommend that you do, that you order it and that you get it. I know that there have been people in this community that have been saying to me over the years that it's actually their favorite book. So, highly recommended. So, every relationship really is about love or fear and I've believed for a long time that our most profound teachers in life are the people that we're involved in deep, intimate, personal relationships with. 
whether or not that be a mother-father or whether that be uh, a love partner. Now, as Neil Donald Walsh, another one of my favourite authors, states, there's only one person in the room and that's the spiritual perspective that means that every significant relationship that we attract and we create in our life is reflecting back to us the aspects of ourself. So those aspects that are whole, and that's where the relationship is fulfilling and it's healthy and it's working, and the parts of ourselves which are wounded, that require healing. And that's the parts of the relationship that are triggering us, that are hurting us, that are bringing up all our insecurities and all of our emotional wounds up to the surface. So the wounded parts of ourselves that are not as yet healthy self-love and healthy self-acceptance, they come to us, they appear to us via other people who trigger us significantly. So these unconscious parts become conscious as a result of relationship experiences. There's so many aspects of ourselves that would never become conscious if we weren't in relationship with others. So for that reason, I truly believe relationships are priceless and they're completely necessary in regard to our evolution, especially our most difficult relationship experiences. Now, of course, as children, we were incredibly powerless and we didn't have the ability to understand complexities and we did not have the sophistication to reason or process information and neither did we have the healthy modelling to heal these wounds that were happening to us. Rather than being able to transform these inner parts, these emotional places within ourselves that were feeling wounded and unloved and unacceptable and not good enough. What we did as children is we created defences and adaptations and strategies to try to get our needs met and to minimalise more emotional damage. We went into survival mode and that's what our ego is all about. It's about creating survival strategies. And for the best part, this worked. It kept us alive and functioning and saved us from emotional annihilation and it taught us what was mentally necessary to be able to survive in the world. But what we did not realise is, as Marianne states, and it's a quote from A Course in Miracles, what we protect ourselves from is what we continue to create. And that's the enormous dichotomy. So what we discover as adults is that the identical patterns of not being seen and met and not being valued and not being loved unconditionally continue throughout our life despite our complex survival strategies that we've learnt and we've taken on. Upon further investigation, we also understand how we have failed to love accept and value ourselves in our self-talk, our self-perception and our ability to be with ourselves and how we've trained other people to treat us identically 
to how we really do feel about and treat and talk to ourselves. And that's a really, really fascinating thing is so many people say, well, I am such a good person. Why do people treat me so badly? And when we really investigate and we really go into it, we have a deep understanding that people are actually treating us how we feel about and how we treat ourselves. It's actually not how we treat other people. We might treat other people beautifully, but how are we treating ourselves? Because that's how other people treat us. So this is why as adults, it's our responsibility to work out how to heal our own wounded parts that we've tried to cover over and we've merely tried to survive with. And the truth is nobody else can do it for us and we can't turn the clock back to the formative years and have our role models do it any differently. The past is done. We have to work with the now where those wounds are still showing up. And we can really understand that our role models were simply acting from their unhealed wounds as a result of their unconscious teachers. The damage was done and now we have to undo it, not just for ourselves, but to be responsible and healthy role models to create future generations where the madness of fear and pain can finally end. So to be able to transcend our fear into love, we need to understand some fundamental energetic and spiritual truths. And these do involve a deeper understanding of who we really are and how our ego as the agent of fear is the ultimate saboteur of love. So there really are only two energies and Neil Donald Walsh wrote about this a lot in the Conversations of God series is that there's only fear and there's only love and everything that we choose to align ourselves with in any given moment is going to be either a derivative of fear or love. And we might think that neutral is just neutral but acceptance is actually love when we're just attached and it is what it is and we're allowing and we're accepting, that's actually love. So some synonyms for love are connection, relatedness, compassion, forgiveness, understanding, trust, authenticity, transparency, honesty and vulnerability. So they're all energies of being real and allowing. So some synonyms for fear are separation, competition, invalidation, condemnation, judgment, distrust, pretending, non-disclosure, dishonesty and defenses. And that list will be out on the blog. Now it's really interesting, I'm, I'm really noticing even as I'm reading that list, that that first list, that my body felt open and it felt flowing and it felt free and just even reading that second list, I can feel my body wanting to contract and pull back and really feeling the ickiness of that energy. So it's so vital to understand that the ego's purpose 
and we all have an ego, is to keep you from experiencing love. So when you are being the experience of love, there actually is no pain. There's only a sense of oneness and coming home to who you really are. Now, we've all had those experiences that might be, well, you're hugging a child or you're watching them play or you're cuddling your cat or you're out in nature and you're reveling at how beautiful it is and your heart's open and you're being love. Now, you may only have small portions in your life that are that or you may have been really working on yourself to be able to show up in life as love in so many ways and it's becoming more of a constant in your life. But you know that when you are in that space of being in love and that's accepting all parts of you and connected to the field of life, it is a sense of oneness and it is like you've come home and pain doesn't exist there. So when we can come home to this natural state, we experience being heaven on earth. We experience our authentic nature. We become and we know our true self. As our essential nature, we can understand that outer events don't actually produce this beingness. They can co-create it with us, but they can't produce it. It's actually achieved by cultivating an inner state, one which is not precariously reliant on outside events. The ego, conversely, is an inner entity that requires pain to survive and it's intensely attached to the control and the judgment and actually the eventual sabotage of outer events. So the cycle of ego self-fulfilling illusion is this. I am dependent on you, this thing or person, for delivering me from my emptiness and my pain. So it's like I'll be happy when I get my new house. I'll be happy when I get my new car. I'll be happy when I get a great, hot, amazing partner or any partner etc 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 so then what happens the next stage of the cycle is the ego is i will create an obsessive relationship with this thing or things which is based on fear need unrealistic expectations and clinging so essentially sorry especially with other people there is this enormous pressure on the fear of the loss of this person saving me from myself. And then the third part of the cycle is you will disappoint me or you don't fulfill me or you're going to leave me. And the same can be said about the new house or the car is that after an amount of time, it just doesn't grant those wonderful feelings anymore. You've defaulted back to feeling empty again no matter what you have if your ego's running you. And with that person that you're with, you're going to start finding fault with them. They're never good enough to keep me happy. You don't actually fulfill me. Or maybe you're going to leave me or somebody else is going to take you away from me. So I've got to start getting all paranoid and controlling and fearful. Or 
I might actually deliver the preemptive first strike and leave first. So that's the sabotage that the ego creates. And then what happens is we're back at the start of the cycle. I'm dependent on you, this single person, from delivering me from my emptiness and pain. But the issue is that now even more is needed because there's wounding, there's more wounding of emptiness and I'm not lovable and I'm not good enough and I can never feel happy. So what happens is the older people get without self-development, the more ego takes a hold, the more entrenched it gets and the more it self-generates and co-creates with life more of the emptiness, more of the neediness and more of the need to try and control out of circumstances in order to feel whole and happy. Now, when we are being light, which is love, truly darkness, which is pain, can't exist. This is why ego creates every illusion possible to keep thrusting you into the darkness. The ego, through unhealed inner parts that get painfully triggered, stories in the mind about these painful triggers and the results of defensive, maladaptive ways of showing up, which are all those survival strategies, presents all the evidence to keep you trying to source your life through engaging tactics of separation, competition, invalidation to yourself mostly and mainly condemnation judgment distrust pretending non-disclosure dishonesty and defenses so they are all aspects of energy that are separation from love and their separation from the field they're disconnected from life and others and love and as Esther Hicks would say, when you're disconnected and you're out on the raw and ragged edge all by yourself, that's a pretty painful place to be in. And it's very small. Joe Dispenza talks about it in quantum physics. Reality is that when you're in your ego and you're not connected to the field and infinite, the infinite mind, that there is only 1% of you effective actually less than 1%, that 99.999999% of you is actually the big part of you, the energetic part of you that is connected to the infinite mind, to the field. And that's oneness, that's love. The only place to access that is through oneness and love. That's where our true power is. So if your ego is running your life, and for a lot of people it is, the more fear and pain it is, there is no possibility of you being love or experiencing love and every attempt will be thwarted. So what looks like it's love or gives you that momentarily, momentary relief, that temporary relief from the pain and it feels like love, it's going to fall over. It's going to be sabotaged. Your ego is going to make 100% sure of it because your ego is wanting to keep you away from everything that is love. And of course, this is emotionally devastating because every human entity without exception seeks love. Love is well-being, it's life force, it's creation, it's everything that we are. 
and every human entity is in pain when love isn't being generated. Now the ego is really pervasive and it's damaging many people in its path, not just the person whose ego is running. Marianne Williamson and also Eckhart Tolle write quite a bit, Eckhart more so, about how pain bodies trigger pain bodies. So egos are out in life saying, okay, whose ego can I trigger? What fight can I pick? What drama can I create? Because that's what I want to feed on. So you really understand that, that when you're meeting somebody that's in resistance, that's in pain, that's in fear, that well, we can use the narcissist as a prime example, their pain body is going to go for your pain body and really, really go for it to try and trigger it and to pull you into the darkness. And that's what happens. So when we have a look at the ego and narcissism, narcissism is the epitome of egoic living. So if we were to look at the scale of ego and love or darkness and light, we can take dark the we can take narcissism right up into the scale of darkness right into that extreme because the very definition of a narcissist is a person who has submerged they've killed off their true self because they deemed it unacceptable and worthy and they created the buffer of a false self a fictitious character to replace it and this generally happens at a very very young age so what happens is the narcissist believes that the only way to get their needs met and the only way to survive emotionally is to lie, is to be an actor, is to be a shamalon, is to tell people what they want to hear in order to manipulate that person. And that's living from a false self. And a false self is pure ego. It's not authentic. And as Marianne states, this is a distinct difference between grandeur and grandiosity. Grandeur is the beingness of magnificence. It's love. It's, this is who I am. This is the real me and it's beautiful and it's magnificent. It's loving. Grandiosity is the malfunction of trying to compensate for feeling anything but magnificent. So it's intense fear. Grandeur manifests love and attraction. It brings to it more of itself, whereas grandiosity creates toxicity and ultimately repulsion because grandiosity is connected to the field in malfunctioning, malformed, malignant ways that aren't real and aren't wholesome and aren't healthy. So narcissism is extreme grandiosity and attempting to source love and approval from an unhealed, wounded inner center, which is that shriveled up true self, which is those childhood wounds that have been dismissed, ignored and unattended to. And then what's happened is those wounds have been surrounded by impenetrable egoic defenses. And I'd like to use this metaphor to really grant you the understanding. 
Imagine an opulent castle with a malformed, distorted child imprisoned in a cell underneath the castle. Now imagine this child as completely abandoned, totally shunned, and as a result, he has become demented, twisted, and he's, he's now an irrational abomination. Now imagine the master of this opulent castle is terrified that somebody's going to find this child and is going to despise him, the master, for housing such a pitiful, worthless and disgusting creature. So the master adopts the persona of being really affable and charming when he's out in life and when people come to his castle in order to create a smokescreen for what really lurks beneath the castle floor. Additionally, the castle's master has employed henchmen to ferociously guard the underground cell. Anyone who gets too close to discovering the passageway to the cell is attacked and thrown out of the castle and if necessary that person's reputation and credibility is systematically destroyed so that they can't credibly relay their suspicions to other people. The master of the castle would rather risk losing anything and everyone and is willing to destroy everything and anyone rather than allow the sordid truth of the child in the cell to be discovered. The master of the castle cannot expose himself and he can't love others. He can't let them close and in due to the risk of the shameful child being discovered. So as a result, the master is forever isolated and he's forever condemned to never experience real connection and love. And that's the end of the story. Now you can understand that the castle and the charm are the pretenses and the cover-up of the ego. The henchmen are the defences of the ego, viciously guarding the truth. And the child in the cell is a narcissist, severely damaged and disowned in a child. So the only way the master of the castle could stop this horrible existence and be himself and live an authentically loving life with other people where he could connect and he could blend in and he could be at one with the field. The only way would to be to bring the child up and out of the dark underground cell and love and accept him back to health and believe that he was acceptable to others. But there's one catch. The master would never believe that the child could be accepted by others unless he decides to accept the child himself. Because the master refuses to accept the disowned child He's got no option other than to live an illusion that he's always at risk of falling apart and attack anyone mercilessly to try to uphold it, especially the people that threaten to get too close and discover the truth. So there, in a nutshell, is the egoic reality of narcissism and how it must destroy love. The ego will not allow love to occur. It never can. 
How can the ego allow connection with anyone when it's hell-bent on destroying anyone that gets too close to the real unacceptable person trapped inside? The truth is that ego masks itself as perfection and love, yet it actually condemns, punishes and demonizes every perceived imperfection that it cannot accept within itself. And that's projection. The ego must sabotage and reject love in order to survive because authenticity, trust, connection and real love annihilates self-loathing, separation, projection and judgment. And that's what the fault-finding capacity of ego is all about. Because of the ego's repulsion with the imperfection of the inner child and how imperfect it is to be repulsed with self, because of course the ego's grandiosity is all about this act that continually falls over and Sam Vaknin calls it the grandiosity gap. So the ego's grandiosity is trying to convince itself how fantastic I am, how wonderful I am, how everybody thinks I'm just this incredible human being. But then that emotional wound keeps coming up to the surface time and time and time again, which is all about the self-loathing. Now the ego trying to offset that is disowning that self-repulsion, never healing it, never closing the gap. And that self-repulsion has to be disowned and it has to be projected outwards onto other people. So the truth is this, the most conditionally loving people, which is, I will love you if, if you do everything that represents the conditions that I want, then I will love you. So the most conditionally loving people and judgmental people are suffering from an intense lack of unconditional love and unconditional self-acceptance. So they're not loving and accepting themselves and their unacceptable inner child has not been rescued and it has not been loved back to health. So this is where we all need to take radical responsibility and we can have compassion, not just for ourselves, but also for others, so that we can transcend the intense pain of egoic judgment. Because the ego is defenses around the internal childhood wounds. That's what it is. Now, having compassion for people doesn't mean that we have to have them in our life. We can have compassion and understand that their wounded, traumatized inner child is the reason they are the way they are, but it doesn't mean that we ever have contact with people again if they are dangerous and unhealthy to be involved with. Now, I'd like you to try this on for size. If you were to say the following statement, I hate you and your evil ways for what you did to me, feel in your body how this feels. Now, my body is very sensitive to energy because I've done so much energy work on myself and just saying that actually makes me feel nauseous. Now, if you were to say, I understand and accept how damaged your inner child is and how you won't and you can't go inwards to love and accept yourself 
And that's why your behavior is so tormented. Okay? Now, if you feel in your body how that feels, it's a really distinct difference. The first statement creates all this fear and all this closing down and the second statement, your body starts opening up with acceptance because you're seeing a bigger picture. You're actually seeing the truth. And I'd like you to remind you again of Neil Donald Walsh's quote, there's only one person in the room. And really what that means is, is that when we're judging and condemning another person, our body actually knows no difference because we are all connected in the field. Everybody is. We can just be living the illusion of separation. But because we are connected in the field, when we're condemning and judging another anything in our life, including another person, we're actually condemning and judging ourselves and that's why it feels so rank in our body. That's why it hurts so much. In reading Marianne's book, A Return to Love, you'll be granted an even deeper understanding of the self-healing power of compassion and acceptance and that's what A Course in Miracles is all about. It's about healing through forgiveness. And she states, it is as though we're holding a sword above their head. The sword, however, doesn't fall on them but on us. Since all thought is about ourselves, then to condemn another is to condemn ourselves. So Marianne's teachings are about only love is real and any other behavior is an illusion. The narcissist behaves like a narcissist because his or her life conditions and choices usually adopted unconsciously at a very young age, have caused the narcissist to forget who or she really is and to source a life distortedly through fear instead of love. So within this understanding, we can start to break free and be unshackled from our own ego, which painfully holds on to blame, pain, shame and judgment which only keeps us in fear, egoic defences and separated from loving and accepting ourselves and creating true healthy connections in our life. So every time that we are having painful thoughts about other people, that's actually our ego saying, I can keep you in fear and pain and separated from yourself. And then because of the trapped inner pain that our egos are generating, the pain that's actually stuck in our body, and emotions are the language of the body. It all starts with our body. It means we show up in life trying to fearfully avoid sustaining more pain, yet unconsciously we continue to attract and create more of what we're judging and more of what we're trying to protect ourselves from. We keep the painful trapped emotions of victimization alive and prospering in our bodies and this is exactly what keeps our ego energized, alive and running our life and sabotaging love. So our real job is to understand that we can't heal darkness by throwing more darkness at it. And that's another Marianne quote. And that's period. Throwing more darkness is fear and it's adopting the strategies of separation, competition, invalidation, condemnation, judgment, distrust, pretending, non-disclosure, dishonesty and defences. 
Now this is where we we need to take full responsibility in order to get well and to break out of this madness and this pain. So we need to look for our own damaged inner child underneath our basement floor. And it doesn't matter whether we're living in a castle pretending I'm fabulous and everything is wonderful, putting on a front to the world, or we're living in a battered caravan whining my life is falling apart and I will never be the same. doesn't matter which version or any derivative in the middle that you're living The real issue is that we need to go toward our inner child instead of away from him or her. We need to pick the child up and we need to grant him or her all the love and acceptance we can no matter how damaged and deranged this child is. Because we know what happens from the metaphor, the story that I told previously. We know what happens if we leave that child in the basement and we refuse to acknowledge him or her and accept and love him or her, then we can't ever let anybody close. We can't let them in. We have to have defenses and ego is going to be running our life. And the very things that we want are never going to happen in our life. Now we then, after getting the child out of the basement and the cell, we need to accept and love this child so much and not conditionally, not when he or she is better, unconditionally right here right now so that we can allow this child to be seen and met by ourselves first and then by others now we don't allow our pearls to be smashed by swines so we're not going to be exposing if we're going to be a healthy adult and parent to our inner child we're not going to be exposing our inner child to people who are sick and dysfunctional such as narcissists But we can open up and connect to non-narcissistic people with authenticity, with truth and with the real deal about how we feel and who we are now, warts and all. And that's what being transparent and being vulnerable and being real is all about. We can also look after ourselves if we need to in amongst speaking our truth knowing that when we do love and accept ourselves we become a source to ourselves and we're no longer crippled with the fears of being criticized rejected or abandoned for being our real self which is love and it is lovable as a force within itself and which naturally as ourself the real deal warts and all because god Source, life, whatever your version of a higher power is, did not get it wrong and actually does love and accept us unconditionally, what's and all, totally. We're the only people that thinks it doesn't. And as ourself, we attract naturally more unlimited love from healthy sources simply by being real and simply by being ourselves. So by adopting the principles of connection, relatedness, and relatedness is about connecting to other people in the field of life with no agenda, simply because you want to connect. So those principles as well as compassion, especially for self, it has to start with self, 
We can't have compassion for others unless we have compassion for self. Forgiveness, understanding, trust, authenticity, transparency, honesty, and vulnerability. We allow and we co-create with people the opportunity to love us authentically for who we are and not who we think they want us to be. And that who we thought they wanted us to be was actually us saying, well, I didn't think I was lovable and acceptable until I, ch- I was different. I didn't think I was lovable and acceptable as I am. So I tried to present a different version from you in order to love, source love and approval. And that's the narcissistic trip. That's, that's absolutely, and that's the egoic trip. So there is a happy ending to this story and to this whole process. And it is a process. By loving and accepting yourself, unlike the master of the castle, you will let people in. You will let them be with the real you and then you can be seen and you can be met. And that's what everybody wants. That's where our joy is. It's not from what we have or what we can control or what we think is going to stop the inner emptiness. What we really want is to be in the field as our true selves and to experience the results of that because the results of that is we are loved for who we really are as our true, wholesome, honest, transparent, real self. And it's only our ego that tries to convince us that we are totally unsafe doing that. We're actually the safest we'll ever be because when we love and accept ourselves and we're honest and we're real, we actually do have those difficult conversations if we need to. We do speak up. We do honor ourselves. And we're no longer in that terror of if I am not what you think I need to be, I'm going to be devalued or disowned or abandoned. We get past all of that. So realness, and uh, Brené Brown writes about this a lot in her wonderful, wonderful books. And I love her stuff. Because she personally talks about her incredible struggle with being authentic and how it really created a breakdown, breakthrough in her life. So what we get to understand, that realness includes imperfections. And goodness, we all have them. And it's really goofy and cute and gorgeous and real to be imperfect. And it's actually magnetic. It is so magnetic, it's powerful, and it's insanely attractive when we're real in the field. And the reason it's insanely attractive is because it grants other people full permission to also be themselves, imperfections and all. People feel incredibly comfortable when they're with someone who emanates realness. And people who emanate realness have rescued that child under the basement. They've learnt how to love and accept themselves. That's why they're real. But first, you need to be real. You need to see and meet yourself truthfully, lovingly and supportively without defences. You need to deploy the henchmen who have been guarding the child. You need to 
drop the ego to go to your child. So total self-devotion states this, I love and fully accept you into my heart. I am never going to abandon you again. And no matter how damaged you are, I adore you enough to do everything I can to stand in and for you. And I will do everything in my power to help you heal. I am never ignoring you or leaving your side again. That's self-devotion. Now, when we're really committed and loyal and devoted to ourselves, then we understand and we start experiencing how much the field of life adores us and is devoted to us as well. That's when the magic starts to happen. Now, when you do this level of devotion, you've thwarted your ego, you've sacked it, you've kicked it to the curb, you've slayed the inner demonic dragon because your ego requires your self-avoidance and your self-loathing to keep generating painful and fearful life through you. And your ego can only creep back in if you fall back into those traps. And of course, you know, this is a daily, daily thing. And the more you dissolve your ego, the less it has a hold on you. And at first, Marianne Williamson actually talks about in another one of her books and she had an incredible battle with ego and possibly did not have energetic fast track tools like quantum freedom healing to be able to uh, switch over and heal her subconscious quickly. She talks about how it took a decade for her to have awareness. It took another decade where her ego was trying to eat her alive. And then it took her another decade for her to wrestle her ego to the ground. Now I can relate to all of that. And I can also relate to that total surrender when we understand the truth of all of this and we say, you know, ego, you've got to go because you're really not doing a great job in my life. And there's way too much pain and too much fear and too many repeat patterns for me to keep you at the helm anymore. I can't do this anymore and that's when personal catharsis happens when we really realize that our life isn't working and we can't continue on the way we were trying to source life thinking that it does work anymore. That's when we change. So when we really understand this, we understand that love and acceptance is all that exists and we need to go to that damaged inner child and we need to do everything we can to release that child from that pain and that fear and heal and love him or her. Now when we do this, we become a force in the world that spreads light and it does its part to put an end to the egoic madness because no longer will we be an enabler or a recipient of narcissistic relationship violence. There has to be inner disowning in order to be connected in relationships of false selves. So by meeting yourself with love and acceptance, then no matter what your life has been, you will, get it, you will put yourself on a direct trajectory to claiming your true self, healing it, dispelling the darkness and becoming love and then co-creating real authentic love and spreading that in the world by you changing yourself 
it's a ripple that is just so powerful out into the world. It, when you shine your light and you flick on your switch, then you're a force of light and love in the world and to your future generations and to all things that you touch and in all ways you show up in life. So that's the end. That's a happy ending. That's the story that we're going for. So I hope this helps. And uh, this will be going out in the blog today. So I really look forward to any comments and questions you have and I'll be answering each and every one of them. So until next week, lots of love everyone. Bye-bye. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.